Hello, I'm Nate, and welcome to Psych for Today, a podcast that helps you understand the psychology behind events, situations, and people in our world today. Kate Spade, now Anthony. Why, why do you think this is happening, Dr. Drew? Well, you know, I think most people are aware that we've been going through a little bit of an epidemic of suicidality, particularly around middle-aged Caucasian males. Uh, Some of that was the economy. Some of that was our opiate crisis. But now that seems to have bled down, particularly into women, where we're seeing women, younger women, now commit suicide. Today I'm here with my friend and co-worker, Megan. We were last recording together on the podcast, The Psych Behind Violence in America. Today we're going to be talking about the psych behind suicide. In lieu of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade's suicide earlier this month, um, I thought it would be appropriate to do a podcast um, about the psychology behind suicide. There's a lot of questions when it comes to, to suicide, especially celebrity suicides, all the way from, didn't their life seem happy enough, to I had no idea they were depressed, all the way to, I knew they had struggles, but I never thought it was this bad. And so today we're going to be having a conversation about the uh, psychology behind suicide and some of the takeaways for, for us personally and those of us we know who may be uh, struggling with, uh, with depression or suicidal thoughts. So to start us off, Megan, I thought we could just read a few statistics um, for our listeners Um, about suicide. Uh, 51% of of suicides um, are done with firearms. Another statistic that that really shook me up was that uh, white males accounted for 7 out of 10 suicides in Mm. 2016. And so in a lot of ways, suicide is a uh, a white uh, American male uh, epidemic. I think we've seen that with the with the young white men in the school shootings that end in suicide this year, mm-hmm. all the way to, to Anthony Bourdain's um, suicide uh, just in these recent weeks. Reading those statistics, Nate, it makes me wonder what you kind of make of that um, as a white Caucasian male and working with quite a few white Caucasian male clients what, what sense do you make of those statistics? What's going on behind the scenes in the psychology of, of men, and particularly white Caucasian men, that you think contributes to this? Yeah, talking about white male problems is always a complicated subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I once saw a meme of an Olympic swimmer pouring a bottle of water on himself, and the caption said... Um, uh, white men talking about their their issues, uh. and uh, you know I think I think the 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 stigma around white male issues is uh, a bit of an eye roller, um, just because in in many ways we are socially and economically and 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 uh, emotionally perceived as as one of the most privileged groups of people in this country, and I certainly don't doubt that. Um, however, when when statistics are telling you that that you are the number one group of, of individuals killing themselves, well, I think you have to step back and ask uh, what is going on. And I, I really think that among uh, white men, there, there is a pervasive culture of, of just uh, coldness and, and, and closed-offness 
and just feeling like you have to have everything together. Um, the, 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 the power of feeling like you have to have everything together is a really, is a really um, intense belief uh, to live with. Uh, it can affect everything from your friends to the way you raise your kids to the way you go to work. And uh, I think uh, that being a, a more of a unique white male problem is, is no surprise that, that it also has led to a very high suicide rate um, among, among them. You, you can't hold things in all the time yeah. and, uh, and then just expect to, uh, to be fine in the end. I think you make a really good point, Nate, in saying when we hold things inside of ourselves, they tend to fester. Um, I think that pain grows a lot stronger in the dark. I think suffering gets a lot larger and a lot more unmanageable in the dark. I think because we were designed to be in community with each other and to need each other, and, and really our brains cannot process our experiences and information without us talking about them, without words coming out of our mouth to some extent, or some expression, or some something where we can really get out what's going on inside of us. And, you know, to, to your point, I think whether it's Caucasian males or people across the board, and even outside of America's, you know, suicide is not just an American problem. Um, I think as we continue to see people split apart and people really losing the ability to talk out their problems, to be able to have people to engage with, it, I think the suicide rates will only grow. So Megan, one, one subject I've been really curious about is the connection between uh, technology use and suicide. Um, or the connection between uh, technology use and depression and anxiety that can lead to, to suicidal uh, thoughts or attempts. In your experience um, and, and in your opinion, um, what, what are could be some of the correlations between uh, technology and suicide? You know, that's a, a really interesting question, Nate. I think as far as how technology feeds anxiety or feeds depression or could potentially feed suicide in some ways is that it also has the the other side of that coin in some ways which is the comparison game constantly being able to see what people from your entire life history are doing at any moment and we all know that no one posts you know a lot of times pictures of things going wrong um, and so we tend to make that comparison game. I, I think technology in a bigger capacity has actually connected us to bigger world issues and bigger world struggles that tends to create more anxiety than it did in the past. When we didn't have access to the details of the suffering of people across the world, in some ways we were we were more naive about it but at the same time we were more focused on the issues and the problems in our own family our own lives and in our own community and what was going on there and we had a little bit more control over what we heard what we read over what we dealt with but now 
I can open my phone or open my computer and I can hear about terrible things that are happening all over the world to all sorts of people and there will never be a moment when I can't open my phone and hear about something terrible happening because I have access to the suffering of the entire world. And I think because our brains were made to be creative and to be imaginative, I think it's, it's easy for us to get caught up even unconsciously in some ways imagining what if that was me or what if that happened to me or what if that happened in our town, what if that happened to our country. So at the same time that it's given us a lot more awareness and a lot more compassion, I think, for people in other countries and other people in other places. And so that's been the positive side of the coin. The negative side of the coin is it's almost increased our imagination capacity for the things that can go wrong and for the suffering that can take place. And in a lot of ways, I don't think that we have established the coping capacity to deal with that. I think as technology has evolved, our capacity to know what to do with the amount of information and the amount of stories that we are confronted with has not caught up to the amount of information we get. And I think in a lot of ways we tend to overwhelm and get overloaded. And when we get overloaded, we don't, we don't, we run out of tools, we run out of options. And as suicide has become more and more of an option and, you know, with celebrity suicides as well, it makes it more popular, it makes it more out there in the public eye, and then instead of people reaching into their toolbox for connecting to a friend, connecting to family, going for a walk, maybe talking to a doctor, just all the different tools that could be there, the largest and more progressive tool that people are finding is the suicide tool. And as things become more overwhelming and we lose the capacity to cope with it, that tool becomes more and more plausible. Yeah, this year I was struggling with some some sadness, and I eventually decided to attend um, a support group and found out that I had some real challenges with connecting. And connection is is such a um, simple word, Mm. such a simple concept, and as I've been learning has uh, shockingly deep uh, um, consequences. And I have been blown away at uh, how it has changed my life, making connection and trying to connect to others more of my goal, more of my passion. Mm. And it pervades everything, everything from my marriage to um, my work um, to um, my spirituality um, to my friends. Uh, and And I have to wonder... You know, if I'm a counselor with a degree, with a license in private mm-hmm. practice, mm-hmm. and I'm dealing with, with, with such deep connection issues, um, how much more are others, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, I have to, and I have to assume that, that connection is an epidemic and is a very scary thing for a lot of people. And so I just want to encourage uh, anyone listening to this that connection is... Feel simple, sound simple, but but can be a powerful uh, 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 component of your life that that may be missing, that may be contributing to to sadness um, and and thoughts, thoughts of suicide that maybe even surprise or shock you. Uh, I used to think I had so many problems, and then I just started calling one or two friends a day, 
not even talking about my problems. And I was amazed at how uh, many of them just felt better just by the act mm. of, of connecting. Um, and so as we wrap up our podcast for this month, I just want to encourage everyone to, to get out there and, and connect more. And if you find yourself in a place where you are feeling depressed or suicidal, um, I would just encourage you to give, to give something a chance. Give something else a chance. I'm not even going to try and, and sit here and pretend to convince you otherwise. I'm just going to ask you to, to give something else a chance. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised um, by, by giving uh, a friend a chance, giving, getting out there and talking to somebody a chance, giving a counselor a chance, giving medicine a chance. Um, because what do, you, what do you have to lose? Everything when it comes mm-hmm. to depression and suicide. And so if you're really going to make uh, uh, that kind of decision, I would encourage you to, to at least give yourself the benefit of the doubt and get out there and just try. Thanks for listening to Psych for Today. For more podcasts, blogs, and other information, visit ncwebster.com.